Short game-wise, yes, I can. Long game-wise, no. No, I have not. He's talking the long game. They played the long game. The long game. They gotta play the long game. They played the long game. They're experienced and they played the long game. Game is back. Hey, it's Dave. Real quick before we get into this episode, we had two awesome guests here on the Long Gay Pod. We had Bryce Mooney and Sam Atanasio. These are two guys from the world of long drive. And just to give you some context about when we talk about long drive, this isn't your friend in your group who hits it far. These guys are, I would say, uh, if I could be polite about this, absolute freaks. So Sam, uh, Interestingly enough, he's a doctor in natural medicine, but he's also number 22 in the world in long drive. He is one of only two people in the world to have ever hit 240 mile an hour ball speed. He also hit like a 375 yard drive with his putter, which we talk about on the pod. Uh, Bryce is a former college pitcher. He touches 140, just hitting the ball naturally. He hits three iron, uh, 285 yards. He himself has touched 220 mile miles an hour ball speed. It's an awesome conversation because we talked about the world of long drive. We talked about speed training. We talked about the sequ- the proper sequencing of the golf swing. And these guys started a business in this space called Speed Toad. So they're also entrepreneurs. Casey and I had a blast doing this episode. We are looking forward to having more guests on because it's been fun to bring in people, authors, entrepreneurs, long drive guys, coaches, anyone from around the golf world we've been having a blast talking to for this pod. So enjoy our conversation with Sam and Bryce. All right. When Dave and I started this podcast uh, a few months ago, our goal was to kind of talk to people all across the golf landscape. Um, Today is no different. Very excited because I personally don't have a lot of background on the world of long drive, distance and speed training. Uh, But these guys do. I uh, want to please welcome to the show pro long drivers, Bryce Mooney and Sam Adenazio. I think I pronounced that correctly, did I? Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it, Dave. Welcome, guys. Good to have you. Good to have some long hitters, some big hitters on the pod. Uh, yeah, for a change, yeah. yeah. For a change. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. I'm talking about <laughs> myself. All right, all right. Cool. Well, first, just set the stage a little bit. I think our audience may be coming from the same perspective as us of not knowing a whole lot about this world. So brag about yourselves, uh, if it's more comfortable to brag about each other, maybe that's that's easier. But um, who are you guys? What's your what's your status in the world of long drive? Um, and just let us know. I'll brag on Sam, and then Sam, Sam can try his best. It's not very easy to brag on me. How about that? Perfect. So Sam is um, a young gun. He um, is a doctor in naturopathic medicine. Is that right? Did I say that right? Natural medicine, yeah. Natural medicine. Um, Dr. Sam Atanasio. Uh, so not only am I the slower of the two when we work out, I'm also the less intelligent. So I just feel great about myself every Monday when we train together. Um, Sam is ranked, I think, 22nd in the world in uh, WLD, World Long Drive. He was the second man to ever eclipse 240-mile-an-hour ball speed. 240 it's insane um when i'm standing there while we train at some if i'm not ready for impact if i'm like looking over here and i don't know he's swinging i will hit the deck 
taking cover because it's just ridiculously loud. Um, he, let's see, best pro finish last year was third place. Uh, what am I missing, Sam? I mean, I think you nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> you and feel how, good about how, yourself? It's hard to follow. How are you two? Uh, how did you two get c- connected? What's what's your background, Bryce? Go ahead, Sam. Well, let, let me brag on Bryce here. So, Bryce has no business being in long drive. (laughs) I say that because he says it all the time. Um, He was a baseball player in college. He was a pitcher and then went to run in marathons for, I make fun of him for being old. So at least like 40 or 50 years. And after that, he was just golfing, hit the ball a long ways. And his buddies at the country club said, you know what? You should start looking into long drive, like see what you can do. And he was at like 124, 126 miles per hour club speed. And then within like a few months, I mean, he climbed up to touching almost 140. And that's when we met. We actually met online. He commented on a post. And I was like, who's this guy? And I clicked on his profile and it pops up and it says that he lives in Franklin, Tennessee. And I'm in Columbia, Tennessee. So I'm just like 20 minutes away from him. So I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, you want to come train in my garage? <laughs> he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And just like that, we've been training together for a year and a half. So Bryce now, after we started training together, he's eclipsed 220 miles per hour ball speed. We're not going to release what he's actually at now because we're chasing some big numbers. So stay tuned for that one. Um, but his longest drive last year in competition was 433. And he's been at the world championships his first two years in the sport. So, I mean, doesn't get much better than that. Dave, this scares me a little bit. This is kind of your story exactly up until someone at the country club saying uh, you should get into long drive. But (laughs) go ahead, Dave. Let's go, Bryce. Okay, I got so many cases. I'm just going to take it from here. Um, I got so many. I have so many, uh, so many follow ups. There's so many different directions we we could go in here. So what's really funny is I actually just came back this morning. So I work out with this guy. His name's Adam Picard. I'm up here in Vermont. And Adam is I'm going to send him this because he's almost it's almost exactly the same story. He's a very he's a very good D1 college baseball player. He hits the shit out of the ball. Like he's the guy that when he when he swings driver, everyone around him, you know, hears it. And he got into he's a personal trainer, but he got into golf specific fitness. And so I've been working out with him for a couple of years. He's really into speed training. He swings it at 130. He's in the 130, 140 range. And I'm trying to tell him what Sam told you and the guys at your club told you. I'm like, dude, you should make this your thing. Like you're an athlete. You it's not natural because of the way the body moves. Like it's not natural to time it up and be able to release the club and swing it at 130, 140. If you can do that, like let's let's make this happen. So I'm just I want to hear like. You, you had natural speed, but there's so much to the golf swing where being, you know, you look at golf, like you, you look at, you see this on Instagram all the time. I see a video of like Dwayne Wade, freak athlete, but can't swing a golf club more than, you know, 80 miles an hour. Um, talk to me about just the mechanics of the actual swing and like how, 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 how much the fundamentals matter here? Because to get to 220 240 ball speed you can't be hitting this thing on the on the low part of the face and hit a spinny cut like you got to be you still got to be you know that that's got to be a 1.5 1.48 smash factor you got to be hitting this thing in the center of the club so it's not just pure speed i want to hear about like how do you how do you harness that you take someone that has this raw speed where do the mechanics go from here so i'll kick it off and then sam can get into like the doctor aspect of it but it's so, um, 
the 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 D1 baseball player there's not a coincidence a lot of long drivers are f- former ball players the rotational strength and fast twitch it, it translates very well but to your point about ball striking and you actually have to have a good golf swing you know a, a base level of strength is really important in producing speed but even more so a well sequenced and well timed golf swing is the only way you can get faster and and get to whatever that next threshold of speed you're looking to get to is to better sequence your swing. And so that's why you find people that as they gain speed, they have a better sequence swing and their ball striking improves and their handicap goes down, their scoring gets better because in nature, a faster swing is a better sequenced, better timed swing, which is better for all of golf. But Sam, what did I miss? Well, hold on. Before you say that, you said the word. I was going to use this as a bridge. There's got to be some connection between Sam being a doctor in natural medicine and the kinematic sequence and how important that is to the golf swing and why this guy is 22 in the world and only one one of only two people to touch 240 mile an hour ball speed. So with that context, Sam, how did this, where did these two worlds collide for you? So for me, my background was personal training actually got a master's in exercise science and was doing stuff with cold lasers and then went into natural medicine and um, did my dissertation on cold lasers, boosting human performance in the gym. Um, So all of that stuff's kind of revolving around human performance. And it really took, you know, when we're talking about better sequencing and different stuff, there's a big gap in this industry between book knowledge and real life application. Because I came into the sport saying, I know everything I need to do. I studied every single book. I got all my passing grades. This is what every single person is telling me I need to do to get faster. And then all of a sudden, you get to 200 ball speed and it stops working. You get to 205 and you need to figure out something else. You get to 210 and another thing doesn't work. And that's where like, we have a benefit of training together that everything that I went through probably six months before Bryce gets there, he then gets to go through the same thing and experiences the same thing. So we're kind of doubling up on what works and what doesn't work. And we're talking about um, strength and all of that stuff. There's a certain application, you know, when you said like guys like Dwayne Wade can't swing really fast, but then there's also the other end of the spectrum where you get the freak athlete, like take Tim Tebow. He can pick up a golf club and be 200 ball speed like that, which he did in the Bryson video, (laughs) but he can't go faster than 205. He's stuck there. And that's where we talk about better sequence in the swing. He's a muscle guy. He relies on his strength to be efficient. And in golf, you don't want big muscles to actually be efficient. You want your little fast twitch type 2X muscle fibers to be extremely fast and efficient, which is where overspeed training comes into the case, which is why we develop speed toad for that, because that better sequence is your swing. And ultimately, the better sequence swing equals more speed, but it also equals better ball striking. Because obviously you have to push a little bit faster in speed training. We can talk about all about speed training, what that takes. But when you get to a certain point of raising your ceiling, your base moves up. And as that base moves up, that's where you're finding the center of the club face every single time. And it doesn't feel like anything. You're swinging 90% and just smoothing it down the middle type of feel. But it's faster. So I want to I talk about overspeed and speed training and get into what you guys are doing with Speed Toad. But I want to hear from you, Sam. Like, How did you learn... How did you learn the golf? How did you learn the proper sequencing? Right. This is there, there is like endless videos on YouTube and content about this. I'm just curious to hear like when you decided to kind of go after this world a little bit and mar- marry these two passions of yours, what were the resources you learned? And maybe for people that are listening that might not know, can you actually talk about 
the kinematic sequence in the golf swing and what that means? So um, ultimately where I learned it from was trial and error because Bryce and I sat in my garage, tried every single thing, and typically speaking, every single thing you find online doesn't work. And the reason for that is not because it's wrong, it's just wrong for you as an individual. Every single person has a different body, a different neuromuscular structure, and a different basically they're all at different places to to, to dumb it down. Everybody has different muscles, different length of muscles and different timing of stuff. So to be able to say a one size fits all of you need to do this. And that's how you gain speed. It's typically pretty wrong in the sense of it'll work for one out of 10 people, maybe, or one out of 100 people. And the only way you can figure that out is by a working with a really good coach who understands you individually and goes, okay, you need to do this. Let's figure out how we can get that to happen or trial and error by yourself. And that's what Bryce and I did. We didn't work with any coaches. We just started working. And I give an example of this, um, of when I said, try different things we're working on, Bryce and I are always working on a technique of dropping the club into the slot, which is essentially you can't put speed in the top of your swing. If you're in the top of your backswing and you start putting speed, you're going to throw it over the top. You're going to cast it. You're going to use big muscles and it's going to be slow at impact. You only have to be fast to impact. So with all that being said, how do we get that to happen? And both of us need that to happen, but it's in completely different ways. For me, the feel is I have to feel like my hands drop in the slot before I actually start my swing. Whereas for him, he has to feel like his left shoulder shoots backwards. Two completely different feels that you would never see online, but they apply the exact same principle of getting the club in the spot in the spot to <laughs> wow, getting the club in the slot to put speed at the ball. As you can tell, my brain operates a lot faster than my mouth does. So I'll get tongue tied <laughs> a lot talking about this stuff. It's better. That's a cool, a, better a than cool the feature other way. about <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the cool, uh, one of the cool things about speed training is a better sequence swing will be faster. And so as you try to find what feels translate to better sequencing in the kinematic sequence, when you do it right with a certain feel and you get the feedback from the radar, like, Oh, you just gained two miles an hour. Ah, that was a better sequence swing. And here was my feel. So let me try that again. You know, that trial and error of what feels turn into another mile an hour or two kind of reinforces your better sequencing your swing and the best part of that is when you do it correctly it usually is faster and feels like you put less effort into it so it's, it's a per- perfect segue so uh I, I don't swing it as fast as you guys but i would say compared to the average guy that i play with i swing it 115 116 17 which is which is pretty decent and well, yeah, if you look at those numbers and so uh, Dave Jankowski is my coach who listens to this podcast. I got to say that every time because I know he's going to be in his car like smashing the windshield if I, you know, don't admit <laughs> the flaws. But I could swing it really fast, but I would take the club back too far and I would hold the face. And so I would swing it kind of steep and left and, and hold the face just kind of like an old baseball habit. And so especially with driver, one of the things he's really working, we're really working on is like, he's like, you got to let that thing go. He's like, you got to release the club head. He's like that with driver, the club head has to outpace your hands. And I've been working on this and finally starting to get that feel. And it's exactly what you said. When I can use my, my wrists and like keep, you know, hinge it right and, and release the wrist through impact. 
I can get about five to seven miles an hour of speed and I feel like I'm swinging at half of the speed as when I take it way back here and I try to swing it this way. And so that was like, it's so cool. I'm so addicted to golf right now because it is this unbelievable process of trial and error. And it's cool that you guys are buddies and like ha- you, you need somebody else. And then to build on something that you both kind of hinted on this, this idea of swing your own swing. Another thing that Dave gets mad about when I send him is I'll send him a video on Instagram of like Brooks's left wrist. And he's like, dude, don't stop sending me this shit. This is not, (laughs) this does not apply to you. This is, you know, golf is all about patterns and different matchups. And so it's just cool to hear how you guys have different approaches here. And it's like, look, I love YouTube. I love golf. I love watching that stuff. But it really is like everyone, especially with the golf swing, because it is so body dependent, we are all going to be so different that you can't just watch a video about how to do X and go and apply it. You need to actually go through trial and error and figure out like what the right matchups for you are. Yeah. My pitching coach growing up always said, you know, if there was one best way to pitch a baseball, every pitcher in the big leagues would look that exact same way. There's commonalities amongst them that everybody holds true certain principles, but man, everybody's body is different. Everybody's joints, the way they work are different. And yeah, swing your own own swing. Mine sucks. So I'm going to swing it. <laughs> so, I'm going to keep asking questions that are, I'm going to pretend are for the audience, but they're really just for me. So that's why we started this podcast, dude. Yeah. <laughs> With folks in the audience that don't know the the kind of world you're, you guys are in, can you explain just how the, I don't want to call it the tour, but how, how do competitions work? How does qualifying work? Uh, what's the timeline? What's your master's? I assume it's the championship in, what is it, Atlanta in the summer? But mm-hmm. set the stage. Go ahead, Bruce. Uh, so last year, there were 10 events um, all the way from as west as Denver and Utah, all the way up to Connecticut, down to Florida. This year, there are six events. Um, and then they have a few different what we're calling majors. Uh, the one next month in California in March, that'll be on, I believe, Golf Channel. Another one in June or July up in Canada, which will be on ESPN and Golf Channel. And then the World Championships in Atlanta, which will be on, I think, Golf Channel and ESPN as well. Um, so the sport is growing, which is exciting. But yeah, there's six different uh, tournaments and, and essentially with other qualifiers. So the top, I believe it's 30 ranked hitters automatically qualify for the World Championships. And then there are also what we call regional tournaments. And the top five finishers of those tournaments also qualify for the world championship so there's a few different avenues there and and a tournament is it's really really fun to watch especially in person there's usually 64 hitters and there's it's a round robin format until you get to the final eight or 16 and then it's heads up man it's like it's the adrenaline the uh intensity when you're going heads up against somebody last year in kingsport tennessee one of our last tournaments before worlds um I have never been so juiced and I wasn't even hitting. I was in the stands and Sam versus Kyle Berkshire heads up and the winner made the final eight, which got on golf channel. And I was so like into it. It was just so much fun to watch. I can't imagine the adrenaline that Sam had going heads up against Kyle. Um, he fell, I think just four yards short of getting onto the golf channel. Um, but I think you 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 hit a ball in play like what like two twenty seven or something like two hundred twenty seven miles an hour. That's adrenaline right there. And, and Kyle's kind of the current goat in that in, in this world right now. Yeah, the active one, yes. The active one, yeah. 
Who has better calves, though? <laughs> Kyle's got some tanks on his. That's on what his I'm leg. I was J- like, I'm- Jason Zubak would be considered probably. I think everybody kind of considers him the godfather of long drive. Well, it's somebody else, but he's considered the goat of long drive still. But Kyle might give him a run for his money. We'll see. I believe Zubak has six world championships. I think. And Kyle's so. now at three. I mean, they're, we're talking, I mean, this is like Michael Jordan versus LeBron James type of debate in the long drive world. A little bit less famous, I guess you could say, than that. But <laughs> <laughs> who does that make you then? Um, <laughs> Can you give yourself that title? There you got it. <laughs> Let's go. Scotty, Scotty could hold it down. The, okay. The guy who thinks he's pretty good does pretty good, but doesn't get a lot of credit for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So obviously you guys train so much for, for, for distance, but talk to me a little bit about accuracy. The best tour pros are are hitting 70% of the fairways in competition. What's the percentage you guys are, what's a good percentage there? So percentage wise, I mean, they did this at, um, not this last championship, but the, um, 2022 world championships, the top guys were sitting at about 50 to 60% accuracy in the grid. And keep in mind, they're hitting six balls every set. Um, and then the lower end guys are probably in the like 20% to 30% range. Obviously there's some outliers who are lower who just have bad days and stuff. Um, you got one thing you got to keep in mind with that is the faster you're swinging, say your club face is open one degrees, all of a sudden at two thirty ball speed, that thing's a hundred yards to the right. It has to be so precise to be able to hit it in the fairway and I'm not one of the most accurate guys out there. I hit my garage too much for that. I need some outdoor flighting, but the focus has been on speed so far um, and then can shift focuses. But there's some guys out there that guys like, you know, Eddie Fernandez, Jacob Galladay, a couple of long drivers that just fill the grid. I mean, five or six balls a set consistently at high ball speeds. They're just crazy good golfers. And you mentioned someone having a bad competition day. What's the difference between a good competition day and a bad competition day, yardage-wise? Yardage-wise, it's more about going OB. Like, yeah. um, if obviously there's people um, who are going to hit short shots or something like that and not like the ones that they hit in play, but typically speaking, like, if one of us connects on a ball, it's going to be in play. That's going to be in play. It's going to go pretty far. It's more so that you just feel off in your swing. Uh, maybe your speed's not there because you got a bad night's sleep or travel messed up, something like there's a lot of outliers, but it's usually the types where you hit, say, five sets in the round robin and two or three of those sets you go OB, which you get zero points when you go OB. So it's very difficult to advance unless you're winning if you go in OB. What do you think, Bryce? Just like, <clears throat> go just like most sports, um, you know, game of inches. My world championships last year is a good example of that. You know, we're hitting it. It was midday. There's no wind and not much rollout. And we're hitting it about 370 yards was a good drive in my, at my time slot. Um, I, my first set, I tied for first place, literally to the yard tied for first place. My second set, I got second place by one yard. And, and so, and then I missed that cut. So essentially out of five sets, I missed making the cut by one and a half yards. It's just a crazy margin of error sometimes. That's crazy. Is there a preferred ball flight in competition? It depend- or is it mostly depends on the wind. Um, it, it, if you have a helping wind, you're a little bit more generous on spin. You're okay with a 24, 2500 spin, um, getting that ball up in the air, letting it 
letting it carry. But if there's any sort of hurt wind, you really can't have that spin above 2000 and you've got to launch it a little bit lower with no spin, depending on the rollout. It, it, there's a lot of intricacies depending on the conditions um, that you really need to be a good ball striker in addition to speed. Yeah, a lot of people think long drivers are just like, we'll go up there and swing as fast as we can and mash it, which we do in speed training, certainly. <laughs> but when you're there and we're talking about the top guys, like the things that people don't see is we walk the grid before competition and we look for the hills and the valleys and where you want to land it and kick it back in the grid to stay in because there are shots that you'll hit right down the center, especially when we're playing on a golf course that kicks OB or something at 400 yards. And just what happened, it was straight down the middle just because it's unlucky. So you'll sit going, okay, I need to hit a draw up the right side of the grid into this here, this hill here, carrying it 380 to get the release and the rollout. And it needs to be a mid flight for the altitude that we're at. So I'm going to use this competition setup and this swing. And there are so many different aspects of long drive that people don't see. And when it's on TV, they just see us. We stand up there, we swing hard, and we hit a lot of OB. That's kind of what people see, but they don't see the actual <laughs> metrics behind everything. But do you see, that was a great question, Case. That was one of my things I was trying to get in there. But do you see a shot shape? Like as a golfer, you must see like I see a, cu a cut. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I was That's fighting pretty wild. The, the power cut last year, all year. I just couldn't get that out of my head. Don't call it a power cut. And d just give me uh, give me some sense, just because I'm a, I want to geek out on the metrics a little bit. Like, what is your, you hit a power cut in a long drive competition. What does your swing direction look like? Mine was like probably negative three at that point, which was too much. Now I'm at back up to like plus three, which I love where I'm at compared to last year, but I was probably swinging out to in three. Sam on the other hand is crazy. He's, he's swinging in out probably in competition. What? Six, seven degrees. Yeah. My swing last year in competition was aim up the right side of the fairway, hit a like six degrees into out with a closed club face. So I hit this little like, pull draw right down the middle and it was just bb's at like seven degrees launch and it just must have no when you catch one of those good ones with that swing direction you just have one of those no spin like no spin little hooks that just run you catch one of those mounds and it runs forever yep, yep exactly and, but hey bryce did you just was minus three like swinging it left which is minus three was that kind of the max of can you be successful swinging it more than that or you're just going to be creating too much spin you know, I think it largely depends on the golfer, but I think most people are going to struggle uh, anything outside of minus two, probably. Um, and that goes back to like what Sam was talking about with my left shoulder. I hadn't found that feel yet of what it took to get my hands lower in the slot to get more down the line or into out. Um, but to be, you know, competitively anything less than that, because our our drivers are de-lofted so much. I mean, we're competing at like two and a half degree drivers. Um, because if you are more than minus two with a basically flat face, you get so much side spin that it's going, it's going out of bounds and it's not traveling as far either. So yeah, the, the margin of error is just very little, but, it, but it's okay to swing it the, the other way. So Sam can swing it six degrees right to left that the, the way that the physics of the golf swing work in a circle, it's okay to swing it out that way. Um, I'm kind of an outlier on that. Typically speaking in competition, you'd want to hang between negative two and positive two, because that okay. gives you the best chance to have success hitting it in play. 
I went into the most competitions this year as the, if I get one in play, it's going to be a bomb and I don't care about <laughs> anything else. So that's where I got, you, you're going to typically have your most, your, you'll have your fastest swings in the out. And the reason for that is a lot of times when you are swinging out to in, it's a swing flaw that causes that. You're either dragging it through the zone, you're throwing it a little bit over the top, you're not being efficient in your transition. There's a lot of different ways that can cause that. So if I'm trying to be as efficient as possible and swing as fast as possible, I'm going to want to be in to out, respectively. If you think about the the physics of the golf club, the second your club head goes over plane, goes out to in, you lose that flex in your shaft that you've created, the lag. The second that club head goes over plane, that shaft that was flexed is now straight, and so you lose club head speed and ball speed as well. Let, let's talk about – let's give some people like the average golfer that listens to this, like separate from speed training. Just – I want to hear you guys talk about just the philosophy of hitting driver. Like there's there's even – there's so much that I didn't know about how driver is a different swing, how you have to hit up on it. Let's give some advice just to the average person listening to this about just like the philosophy of driver that's going to help them hit it further yeah i mean just in a blanket statement i mean we just talked earlier about how good coaches don't necessarily give blanket statements or something but so here's a couple blanket statements <laughs> yeah that's um, what i want this is a classic doctor move that was a that was a a, a legal disclaimer for <laughs> that was the yeah, liability <laughs> <laughs> um but a lot of average golfers that struggle, I mean, typically golfers are going to struggle with that left to right shot, kind of like a slice. Um, a lot of people put too much spin on the golf ball. Um, best way to hit it longer is increase your angle of attack because naturally speaking, if you're at negative five, which is hitting down on the golf ball, you want to do that with irons. You don't want to do that with the driver. That's where the different swing that you just said comes in. Can you so can you explain if, why? I actually find most people don't even know that. Can you explain why? Why do you want to hit down with an iron? Why do you want to hit up with a driver? So it's compression and you want irons to spin to get up in the air. So you're essentially compressing the ball, which is pinching the ball. So if the ball's here and you slap down on it, it'll spin up the club face and go up in the air. With a driver, you have lower loft. You want to take spin off of it. So if you come in this direction and launch it in the air, it's almost creating, it's not a knuckleball, but it takes the spin off of it. So it acts like that. And TrackMan did a whole bunch of studies on this and found at every different club speed, and you can look this stuff up, um, what the optimal carry distance is at different angles of attack and what it does to spin and ball speed. Ball speed goes up when the angle of attack goes up and also distance does. So at negative five, you're losing probably 20 yards of carry. At zero, you're pretty even. And at plus five angle of attack, you're going to gain about 20 yards, depending on your club speed. So the best way to do that is swing up on the ball. So bump that ball up in your stance is kind of a cheat code to hitting up on it a little bit. That's one super easy way that you can um, gain some distance. Another is um, forward pressing your hands just a little bit. And this is counterintuitive to a lot of what philosophies are. You'd want to do that with irons. The reason I say that is a lot of amateurs that I see struggle with flippy wrists and that's weak impact. So if you strengthen or if you forward press your hands just a little bit of the dress, you're actually lowering your dynamic lofted impact. And dynamic loft is say your driver is a 
10 degree loft. At impact, it might be 20 because you're flipping your hands. So that's when, especially from the outside, if you're swinging from the outside, you get this really weak, flary slice out to the right versus driving the ball straight. So if you can lower your dynamic loft a little bit, that's where you get a little bit more penetrating of a ball flight. And you'll find a lot of amateurs just by making those two changes, swinging up on it a little bit, and also lowering their dynamic loft a little bit, can have a lot more success in hitting the ball far. What do you think, Bryce? Give it, me a couple of your the, tips. You know, I, I a lot of guys I play with um, are guilty of this. I think the easiest, quickest way to do what Sam's talking about is to raise your tee height. I think on average, the average golfer tees their driver too low. Um, and if you think about just simply, if the driver, if the ball is teed very low, it's going to be very difficult to hit up on it because there's no room to get underneath the golf ball. So you're going to hit down on the golf ball and it's going to hit low on your club face, which means the ball will quite literally ride up your club face, which creates more spin. It takes getting used to, but I feel like a lot of people can afford to give it another half inch of tee height, which will make it a lot easier to hit up on the ball. And you'll see 10, 15 yards like that just because you're teeing it up higher and hitting up on it another couple degrees. And off that, a lot of people might say, well, Tiger Woods doesn't tee the ball up high. You're right. He's a phenomenal golfer and he's not looking for distance. He wants accuracy. And the more spin you have, the easier it is for the ball to stay in the fairway. But when people are only swinging 80 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, spins your enemy. You want to be able to hit the ball further. That's how you're going to score better. It's not keeping it in the fairway because there's a bunch of studies done on distance lowering score. Um, but for every 10 yards you gain off the tee, ultimately you drop your handicap by about 1.8 to 2 strokes. So the typical average golfer, tee the ball a little higher, swing up on it, start hitting the ball further, and you're going to lower your scores and have a lot more fun. As well as every three yards you hit additional off the tee, you can afford to be one yard less accurate and still score the same score. So that is a huge factor. I don't want that to be <laughs> understated because if you're hitting the ball further, you could be less accurate and still score better because you now have that distance advantage. And Bryce, you, we were talking earlier, you were saying that kind of contrary to maybe some some people in your in the long drive world, both you and Sam actually love the game too, playing. So talk a little bit about what your games are like when you're not, you know, training and, and dis, uh, speed training and going for distance. What's like a typical round? How often are you guys playing, enjoying all that stuff? Do, do you carry sure. handicaps? Um, yeah. I, so my every week, I'm a like... I'm a routine guy. I thrive off routine. So Monday I'm training in Sam's garage because I'm old. The rest of the week is recovering from that training day. And then Friday is my, my day. I play 18 holes with my buddies. Um, so my handicap is four right now. Um, 4.0. I have never been in the threes. I need one more good round. I think I have like three more rounds before, you know, another good score gets dropped. So, um, I, it's my man. It's, I just enjoy being outside. Probably my baseball upbringing, like being outside, walking on the grass, talking with your buddies. It's just, I mean, that's, that's the way I love ending my week. Um, and then, yeah, just so Monday long drive training. And then Friday I play my 18 holes and lose 30 bucks usually, but that's okay. Do you have a separate set of clubs for like a separate driver for playing recreationally versus long drive? 
So I actually, um, last year I struggled with that because I did. I had a very stiff and accurate setup for my Friday round. And then my long drive setup was uh, lighter weight, more whippy shaft, lower loft, and going back and forth just kicked my butt. And so this year I've actually, I only use driver on the course, I think one hole, and I just use my three iron off the tee. Um, and so I'll play our course. I play at uh, the same course University of Vanderbilt plays at. So I get to see like on the range, I get to see Gordon Sargent doing his thing. And that's just unbelievably beautiful sight to see as I have a beer. But um, so, you know, I'll play a 7,000 yard course and I only hit driver once. I just hit three iron about 280 yards. uh, And I'm pretty accurate with it because it's, you know, I get to compress the ball like Sam was saying. Um, And so it's kind of weird. I only have 12. I only really play with 12 clubs in my bag. Um, which is weird, but yeah, it's unique, but, uh, that's what I'm going to roll with this year. That way I don't have to go back and forth between two different drivers. Did you ever just, just devil's advocate. You ever think that maybe adding two more clubs might help? <laughs> I, so I go, <laughs> no, you use all the weapons you got, man. Come on. We got to get you down. You, we got to get you to scratch. Like let's use, use the clubs. Maybe I'll get you my dad's chipper or something. I don't know. There's nothing <laughs> so worse than saying options. I lost to a guy with 12 clubs. Yeah, there you go. It's three I like options. I, I need a vote here. I've got three of you. I need I got three options. One, I can add a five wood and try to gain another 20 yards off the tee compared to my three iron. Um, I can just go full driver and lose five golf balls around if you guys want to pay me 25 bucks a week. Or um I can make an Instagram handle and call myself the 12 club dry, uh golfer. Lean into it. Only if it helps move speed toad. There that's, you go. <laughs> that's the only way I would do that. Otherwise, I think uh, you're long enough. Hit the hit the three iron. Let's get you some wedges and let's score. So I've got a sixty degree. Should I go? Do I go sixty two, sixty four? I mean, is that crazy? No, no. You don't need that much loft. You must. There must be some. There must be some dialing it in. Well, if the folks from TrackMan or Titleist are listening to this, we gotta we gotta get Bryce dialed. That's all I can all right, say. I need two clubs. <laughs> Sam, how about you? How often are you playing? What are you playing? And I, I actually, what we, I want both of you to go through your yardages too. I, that'd be fascinating, but go ahead, Sam. Okay. So my, actually, we got to back this up for me. Um, I played baseball when I was younger and then I had some health issues. So I had to pick up an individual sport because I couldn't practice with the team. I didn't know when I was going to be okay to play stuff. So I lived in the golf course and said, all right, I'm going to start playing golf as a sophomore in high school. And within the year I became a scratch golfer. And by my senior year, I was a plus three handicap. A uh, low round was a 63 nine under. And uh, so I was a very good golfer back in the day. Um, had some more health issues, ended up turning down a college scholarship to play golf, didn't play golf for five years. Got um, At that time, I did hit the ball far. So I was starting to look in the long drive. I did a local qualifier. Um, so when I started to get back into golf, this time around, I knew immediately I needed to do long drive because that was just one of my huge passions. And so right now, I don't play a whole lot of golf. Last year, in fact, I only played one round with Bryce, and he's been trying to get me out every week. He's like, you want to go play golf? You want to go play golf? You want to go play golf? It's like, uh, I'm training. So I train more often than he does in the garage, and that was just because my number one priority last year was trying to break the ball speed record. And last year, nobody thought I could possibly get to 230 ball speed because I was sitting at like 210 ball speed. And at the time, only five people had gone 230. 
and I ended up going 240 last year. So I proved everybody wrong on that. And that dedicated a lot of that to just my training and stuff. But I like to consider myself a month away from being scratch because I know I still have a lot of good golf talent and that's why I can get away with hitting in a net in my garage for an entire year. And the only time I saw ball flighting was out in competition. I would go to the competition, hit on the range, see the ball flight and go, oh, so that's what it looks like flying. I should probably hit it like this in competition and then would go out and hit in competition. So not ideal for winning tournaments. And I'm going to try to change that up this year. But that that's kind of the background. I still love golf and love doing it. Just my priorities and what I'm focusing on right now has shifted a little bit away from that. This is perfect. I, I, we have the two new handles for you guys. We have the 12 Club Golfer and the Month from Scratch. <laughs> month from <laughs> month Scratch from is a great scratch. line. Just on the, I'm ready to be Scratch. And at any moment, I can be a Month from Scratch. You can do one of those YouTube videos like, I played, I played Bryson DeChambeau with 12 clubs. You won't believe what happened <laughs> the, next. The, right? the, the thumbnail yeah. right here, the thumbnail. <laughs> yes. oh, that's funny. Oh, qu- real quick, just do, go through your uh, yardages too. Just curious. The, through the whole bag? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, driver, we'll just call it like 370. My three iron um, is like 285. Um, all the way down, let's just jump to like my eight yeah, iron would be the highlights. Yeah, my eight iron would be like my 180 club if it's just like no wind, nothing, you know, flat. Um, and then like my 56 degree is like 125. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like, that's not like, let's see how far I can hit it. That's kind of yeah. my, you know, shoulder to shoulder swing. Cause I'm trying to score. Wait, sorry. What's your, what's your 150 club? Uh, that's like a half choke down pitching wedge. Like I'll choke down half an inch with a pitching wedge for 150. So you're, you're not laying up at, at 150. You want a full swing. So what are you laying up at? Uh, like on a par five. Well, I guess, yeah, our, our definitions of layup are different. Laying up at 150? Do, do, do you want to restate that, sir? Laying up at I've 150? never heard of this phrase, layup. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm talking to the wrong people. This guy, hits his, <laughs> this, guy, this guy hits his three iron, 285. There is no laying up. In the event that I hit a drive in the fairway, they, there's this thing called not going for it. And, and I, what I do is I pretend to hit it 150, but I hit it thin about 120 yards. And I say, yep, good, good layup. But if there's a if there's hazards, I lay up because I'm a cautious golfer. I don't want to lose golf balls. That that kills my score. Um, if there's hazards, anything over like 220, I try to be super cautious. If there's no hazards, I mean, I'll I'll go three iron at 275 off the fairway if if there's no hazards uh, to you know woods or water or anything. And Sam, you don't have to go through the whole bag, bag but just give us your your putter distance. Because that's a YouTube video. Can you can you explain that? I went uh, three twenty seven with a putter and till it broke and went into my ceiling. So go check out Insanity. that video, Sam Atanasio on YouTube. Um, I know I can go further with that. I just struggle with accuracy, but the rest of my clubs. Um, I was just doing some stuff recently. That's the only reason I know distances wise. Um, I hit a three wood recently, two ten ball speed, three sixty distance. Um, pitching wedge I can get in the two twenties, and typically on the course. I'd probably hit if I'm 200 out, I'll probably hit a pitching wedge. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my yardage there. Um, I hit, what I like your ball speed on the putter. What was your ball, ball speed, speed on the putter? Uh, about 170, <laughs> which is like the, 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 the sweets, the, the center of the putter face is like, you know, two inches. That's insane. Yeah. The, the best part about that video, you should Look go at the watch hearts. it. I don't know. 
the best part of the, about that video is there's a good, I want to say 10 seconds where you guys have no idea where the putter went when it, when it <laughs> fractured. And there's a moment where someone contemplates that it's not like in the universe anymore. They're like, it's not, <laughs> not, it's not in the room anymore. It's, I think it went through the house, through the building. <laughs> My camera guy was fully convinced that it went straight into the drywall because there's a giant hole in the ceiling. He's like, I think it's in the roof. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm holding my hands because it broke and it felt like on a cold day in baseball when you take one off the end of the bat and it just shocks your hands. That's exactly what I felt from the metal snapping. It was terrible. Dave, you got anything else on uh, long drive stuff before we wrap up your eye? We do, we do want to hear about the uh, the the product you guys have, have been developing for training. You want to talk about that for a second? Hold on. In in okay. my head, I got Bryce telling me that he's a conservative, cautious golfer, and this guy, <laughs> this guy swings it at 200 miles an hour. <laughs> Just those two things don't add up. But He's conservative compared to me, which is why he says he's a conservative golfer, because I'm the type of guy that it could be an island green at 420, and I'm like, yeah, I could probably drive that green, and my handicap doesn't matter anyways. <laughs> I'm the worst for a... Um, any skins game because I think my active handicaps like a 10 and I play like one round a year, but I'll get like three or four Eagles on the round and then just throw some bad shots. So when he sees golf like that and me swinging out of my shoes, he goes, yeah, I'm real conservative. It's only 320. I'll hit my four iron to the green. That's dangerous though. I mean, you, you got down to a plus three, so you know how to score like no chance. I want you at a 10. And I was just thinking too, you guys are probably, you probably get cash offers to to be in scrambles, right? I mean, what's more valuable than a guy that can just throw one out there that far? You're almost illegal in scrambles, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it okay, fun. So you just found our next, uh, you, sound, you found a future uh, content segment. Let's, let's fly down south a little bit and go get a scramble in. Hey, let's, let's talk about, um, talk about, talk about uh, you guys getting into business. Talk about your product for, for a little bit before we wrap up. Yeah, yeah, and Dave, you're you're the marketing guy, right? You you uh, that's your background. Yes, uh, so I already approve of the branding. The toad hat is fantastic. If that's what you're asking, appreciate it. No, so yeah, pick us apart uh, from a marketing perspective. But um, last year, the backstory is we were we you know we tried every speed training aid out there, and we would give each speed training aid kind of its go for a couple months. And we would see gains with those speed training aids. Um, let's just pretend we gained five miles an hour with whatever aid it was. But at the same time, our drivers would only gain two miles an hour. And so we, we would just kind of like every two months be like, gosh, why, why is our driver not gaining speed as fast as these aids are? Where's the disconnect? And we realized it's because of the shaft. Um, whatever speed training aid it was, was not our driver shaft that we were playing or competing with. Uh, you know, we all go get fitted for our driver shaft because it fits our swing, whether it be the right weight, the right kick point, the right amount of flex, you know. Um, and so as you, we were talking about sequencing swings, as you learn to sequence properly a certain speed training aid, well, it takes a different sequence for your driver, uh, your actual driver. And so that's kind of where the nexus of speed toad came from was, well, we need a way to speed train with our own driver shaft. Um, and so we trained with it all last year uh, and saw the gains that we saw. And um, on Thanksgiving this last year, we, we launched it kind of begrudgingly because now like 20% of the long drivers are already using it. And so now 
we're a little like, oh crap, they're going to start, you know, catching up to us this next year. Um, but that's kind of the nexus of it. Now, Sam, I don't know if you want to give like an update of where we're at. Yeah, so ultimately, for those that don't know, Speed Toad is a lighter weight option that can attach to your driver shaft, and it attaches to all major brands. So, whatever if you're hitting TaylorMade, Callaway, Cobra, Ping, like we have the attach, we have just a different screw for it that you'll get with it. Um, and it's ultimately that you get to speed train with your own driver shaft. We have an entire program that Bryce and I set up. Yep. There's Speedy right there. Um, and we created a program for people. We're developing an app right now that'll be released here and within the month, most likely. And that's kind of where it's progressed so far. We had a lot of success down at the PGA show, is because a lot of people, when they see this, especially teachers, they go, it makes complete sense. Like the timing of your shaft is so vital and able to hit the ball more accurately, first of all, but also be faster and to efficiently use the flex and kick of your own shaft is super important. Yeah, Dave, you mentioned um, earlier about how you can feel the the load and, you know, the kick at the ball and you're starting to have that light bulb moment of that feel. And that's that's what the speed toad's about is, is when you speed train with your shaft, you start getting that feel. Um, it's, it's lighter than your driver head. So it's going to train your fast twitch muscles to move faster, but it's also heavy enough to where it's going to activate your shaft like your driver head does. So you still get that feel of the load at the top and the kick at the ball. Um, and then just further, you know, uh, building those feels and those, those, that timing. How did, uh, I'm just curious about the entrepreneurial side of this. Um, Lots of people have had it, you know, everybody's got a friend who has an idea for a product, right? Um, whether you, you know, how successful you guys are will is yet to be determined down the road. But like I already like shout out to you guys for actually like building something, right? This is real. You have a product, you have a business, you're physically holding the product in your hand. Like I just have so much respect for that. We, we've all played golf with the guy who's got 20 ideas. I'm like, yeah, well, you're never going to do it, right? You, everybody's got an idea. You actually did it. Just give me a couple words on what was the process from idea to execution and having a, and especially I'm, I come from the software world where I wouldn't say it's, um, it's easy, but what we're dealing with is, is digital goods, right? To actually manufacture a physical product is a whole other beast. I'm just curious to hear that story a little bit. For sure. You know, it's funny cause we built this only for us to train with. It's not like we had this idea to sell and we're going to find, we built prototypes just so we could train with it. And then after we saw how good it worked, we were like, well, shoot, this probably would do pretty well. We should bring it to market. Um, amongst my career, I had five years at Nike headquarters in Oregon. And so I kind of tapped in uh, to my sports marketing and supply chain background to help kind of bring a product to market. Um, <clears throat> and then it, it, it pairs perfect with Sam's uh, background of training and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, his his uh was your master's in again i can't keep track of all your degrees exercise science exercise science so you know between my background of of, of sports marketing and, and supply chain manufacturing to his sports sports science um exercise science uh background it just was a perfect blend um and then you know after we launched on thanksgiving within two weeks we had shipped it i think to five or six different countries we're like well, what the this 
And so then we said we should go to the PGA show. And now, um, you know, potentially we could have this on retail shelves across the world in the, in the coming weeks and months. It's pretty exciting. I just went over to chat. I just designed you guys a new logo real quick. I just went over to ChatGPT and asked to uh, design a um, a logo of a of a toad running, you know, just jolting, shooting through the air. I, I only, I the only, my only critique would be like, I think you need a mascot. I think uh, right now, Speed Toad is like it's an actual product, but I think you could have this very lovable, fast, jacked toad that could be uh, become the future of your business. So that that I that part that that part's free for coming on the pod we can we can talk at another time but um this was a blast Perfect. i just messaged casey that this was a bunch of fun and uh i love having you know people from the golf world come on and i feel like i learned something new but also got to you know talk and share a couple of stories that i know that people are listening to this are going to find a lot of value from so thank you guys for for hanging out with us today thanks for having us yeah definitely thanks for coming on i, I actually have one more question i wanted to get to i forgot to get to it earlier but um, I was thinking about this. If there, we can we can wrap on this. If there was a uh, world long drive competition, but it had to be quiet, there's no yelling or grunting. What percentage less are the balls going? I'd be DQ. Oh, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, at least ten percent. At least ten percent. It, it's interesting because you know, especially speed training wise, there would be a big downtick of that that's one of those things of you have to actively be amping up your nervous system and just firing on all cylinders to get it done in competition a lot of times like your first ball in play will be fine you're not going to grunt second ball it's fine you're not going to grunt and believe it or not more so in competition it's once you know the ball's in play that you actually will scream <laughs> so versus the swing and the grunt and that's kind of a thing of you got to know both there's a select thing of you have to know your competition and you have to know how far you're hitting that day before you yell at it because there's a lot of good guys who will hit a ball think they killed it scream at it it spun a little bit too much it hits and the number pops back and it's like 320 and the dude next to him didn't screen it went 370 and he just looks over at him like what are you doing <laughs> and that that's the whole put your tail between your legs and walk off the stage at that point <laughs> all right i'm gonna try that now I'm gonna try. I wish, you guys, I wish you guys knew Casey better offline because that was just like the most Casey level question I've ever, I've ever heard. Glad well, to get it in for you, Dave. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on, guys. You bet. If if you if if you have any questions during speed training, we love speed training and we love seeing people get better. And so, Dave, Casey, if you get into speed training, have any questions, just let us know. We we love helping out. That's awesome. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And and. Sam, thanks for being the first first doctor on the pod. That adds a whole new level of uh, legitimacy to us. So we appreciate it. Can you get guys both quick, just before we go, uh, give where people can follow you and, and follow your progress and everything with speed to... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Long Drive Bryce is the Instagram and YouTube. And then Speed Toad is the, is the handle there. Yeah, I'm BombitLD on TikTok and Instagram. And then Sam Atanasio on YouTube. Go check me out. I hit putters through the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, so you didn't shout out Rory. And Rory, I'll do it for you. And Rory, come on the pod. Oh, yeah. I say at the end of uh, every podcast, Rory. Rory, come on the pod. Rory, come on the pod. And get and get a speed <laughs> speed toad. I don't know if he needs it. but He's good. He's be all right. Seems to be, seems to be working for him. Yeah. All right, stick fellas. to the program, Rory. Thank you.